Good morning, and thank you for being with us here at Thompson Presbyterian Church and listening to uh, the sermon that we have for you today. I would like to encourage you to considering following along on our sermons um, through our website or even listening uh, to our local radio station, WTHO 101.7 FM, uh, every Sunday at 930 uh, as we begin to look at how to live stream, and um, hopefully by next week we will have this um, sermon series live streaming for you, hopefully on Easter. But thanks for joining us today, and I would ask that you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, uh, we're going to look at verses 28 through 44 this morning. Luke 19, 28 through 44. I'm reading from the ESV, and I um, would ask that you pay special attention to the word Of our Lord this morning. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloak on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to them, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known of this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because... You did not know the time of your visitation. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your word, for your truth, and all these times in which there are false um, words, there are untruths, there are lies of the devil. We pray, O Lord, that you would always bring us back to your word, to your truth, knowing uh, that it is Uh, truth for our life, that there is no other means by which we are to know you, uh, that you have revealed yourself in your very word. And we thank you, O Lord, that everything that we need for our own salvation uh, to be called by your name is written in your word and to be believed through faith. Be with us now, O Lord, as we look at your word. Give us your wisdom and discernment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. At Christmas time, uh, I was introduced to a movie. I don't remember if it was this year or a few years ago. I, I don't really remember, but uh, the movie's called uh, The Star. And it is a Christmas movie about 
uh, basically about a donkey, really, that uh, carries Mary. Uh, and, of course, Mary being the mother of Jesus uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And this young donkey named Bo is really the star of the show, right? So Bo runs around doing all these amazing things uh, so that at the end of the movie, right, we know the Christmas story that Christ may be born uh, and what a glorious day that is. It all culminates here in Jesus' birth. So it is a somewhat of a Christmas movie. Uh, and there, there's a scene in, in this movie where there's a young donkey, uh, again, named Bo. Um, he's attached to a grindstone and, and they're milling. Um, and he's seeking to be free, right? He knows that life is more than just being tied to a, a millstone and, and grinding. And, uh, and so he says to the older donkey that's with him, he says, I know it feels like we're just going in circles. And the old donkey, of course, in all of his wisdom, responds, well, yes, we are. You see, for Bo, his journey in life was more than just being a donkey, more than being a beast of burden. Um, he wanted to take action, wanted to find himself, uh, knew that he was called for something greater. And again, the story is really good in the sense that it, it shows that uh, you know, God uses many different uh, people and animals and, and situations to uh, bring about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, Bo here is really excited and, and trying to, um, you know, the movie's trying to present us uh, a story about Bo and, and being something greater. And I understand that, I get that. But aside from that, um, being this r- real simple twist on the story of Jesus' birth, uh, what this movie represents for us really is an issue that we have in the church today. And so I want to look at it in a negative sense, and I know that's not always good to deal with kids' movies in a negative sense, but, but hear me out. In this movie, we tend to take the story about Jesus Christ and we make it about a donkey. We tend to, even in our own life today, come up with very creative ways to distract from the simple, central figure, which is Jesus Christ. And don't we even do that in our own life today? When we approach Scripture, we're not always trained to start by looking at Scripture, uh, our own life, in our own way. We're, we're really looking at what is this for me? What's the application? What am I to do with this story? I mean, that's how we've trained people over the years in the church is to look at this from your own perspective um, and to really try and figure out uh, what I am to do with this. But at the end of the day, this story really isn't about a donkey. It's about Jesus, uh, about his birth, about what God has done to reconcile and bring peace um, to the world. And so I'm somewhat discouraged by this, uh, but yet we in the church uh, tend to do the same thing. So I understand, I get it, and um, I think we just need to be very careful with this. Because see, we can do the very same thing with this passage uh, that we're looking at today. Um, this passage that we see today is not about palms, it's not about a donkey, uh, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he is doing on behalf of his people. Just like in the movie The Star, we see Bo as the star rather than Jesus, who seems to be just a a character in the background, the uh, end result of this being 
um, you know, uh, Jesus being born. But it was really about the donkey doing all the wonderful work. And so we need to be very careful with that. And and the reason for that is as we go through things in this life, things such as this pandemic, a, a blow to the economy, uh, a struggle with having to be um, isolated. Uh, uh, and, you know, in Georgia, we are now under this... Um, the shelter at home, the shelter in place, and so you're not have you don't have the freedoms you normally have, and so we may even feel like Bo at sometimes, like we want to get out, like there's something greater uh, here for us, and and so we we may very well fall into this trap, and so I want us to be very careful of that today, to, to look at this passage not as one about a donkey or palms or or, or children or any of that stuff, not that any of that, those things are wrong or. Uh, created uh, by God and, and not to be um, shunned in any way. But this passage really isn't about any of those things. It's really about Jesus Christ. And what I want you to see this morning is about Jesus Christ in his office of prophet, priest, and king. We say that Jesus Christ throughout Scripture fulfills um, these three offices. And this morning we're going to look at how he does that. And we are going to talk about Jesus as prophet, priest, and king from this passage. So very quickly, let me go through these. First, the prophet. Jesus as the prophet. Look at verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead. Now, who in Scripture are we typically used to saying things? Well, the prophets. Go through the Old Testament, you know that the prophets are always out bringing God's word. They are the mouthpiece for God. Um, Once uh, the fall takes place and God has distanced himself from uh, the world because of sin, now we have the prophets coming in and speaking for God. And we see throughout the Old Testament, Israel is, is inundated really with prophets, with the word of God coming to them. Well, now here is Jesus, the prophet, who is coming, and it starts, Luke even says, before he does anything in this passage, he first says something. He says what's going to happen. He isn't just predicting what's happening, or what's going to happen. He is telling his disciples, this will come to pass. Now, when a prophet of old did that, They really didn't understand or may not have had the full insight because God is the sovereign. Uh, They may not have known what was going on. Jesus might have here. I'm not going to go ahead and uh, just because of his divinity, I'm going to go ahead and say that he did. He knew what was going to transpire. He was going to predict something that he knew was going to happen because God is in control. And so as the prophet, the prophet that all other prophets are pointing to, Jesus is fulfilling that role here as he's speaking. That's why it's very important for us to look at the words of Christ here being spoken. Go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a cult tied. Now how did Jesus know that there was going to be a cult? Well, he is God. So he knew on which he says no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. And isn't it interesting that when the disciples go and say that, the owner of the cult speaks no more, says nothing, no rebuttal whatsoever. Jesus and his word 
is what's being highlighted here. Jesus as the prophet and Jesus speaking. We need not downplay the fact that when Jesus speaks, very important things happen. We may think of Jesus calming the storm. And it wasn't that Jesus pulled out a wand or waved his hand. No, it was that Jesus spoke. Much like God creating the world ex nihilo as he spoke it into existence. In Matthew chapter 3, 16 and 17, we read of this baptism of Jesus. And at the end of that, do you remember what, Je- what God says about Jesus, his son? He says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Here is a prophet that was sent by God and that his words are so important that God is pleased with everything that Jesus says. And we need to be encouraged by that. We need to remember that as we look at the words of Jesus Christ. Well, John the, uh, John also, John the Apostle also confirms this, doesn't he? In John 1, chap- chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word here is capitalized in my version, probably is in yours, As you go on and read the rest of John, you understand that the word here is referring to Jesus Christ and his role as prophet. In verse 2 of chapter 1, John chapter 1, he says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus then is the word. Not only do we have all these passages confirming this, but we have Jesus actually personifying this, as I just pointed out in these verses. He says in verse 30 through 34, he says what's going to happen. He he tells the disciples what to expect. And sure enough, they do, right? They come to fruition. And so we need to be mindful of this, that God was pleased with the work of Jesus Christ. He is pleased of the things that Jesus is speaking of and what he is saying. And so let us be mindful that when we think of the words of Jesus Christ, that they aren't just things that are going to come true because he just gets it right. Uh, This isn't a lucky guess uh, by Jesus. No, this is the word of God being spoken. The God of the universe, the God who is sovereign, over all things. You know, here's a, a great uh, point here from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Here's a great reminder by the writer of Hebrews. It says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Here's Jesus in this very passage, before He even gets on the colt, before He even gets on the donkey, speaking as a prophet, the prophet, the Son of God, who has come to proclaim all things that are true. Well, brothers and sisters, how awesome would it be if we took the word of Christ seriously, that we looked in this time of need to the words of Christ. What if we read our Bible? What if we got in there and and clung to these words so they had meaning and truth in our life that as we go through this life and the turmoil and the frustrations that we are surrounded by now, that we would be encouraged by Jesus Christ, knowing that his words are true. We live in a world in which words don't really mean things, do they? 
They have double meaning sometimes for some uh, people. Um, they can be used in various ways in various contexts. But the words of Jesus Christ are true. Let us cling to that. Let us look to that today. The second thing I want you to see here is that Jesus fulfills his role as the priest, the high priest, the priest above all priests. We know in the Old Testament we see all of these uh, high priests uh, that were established. Some of them went awry. Some of them uh, brought sin upon the people. Some of them led the people uh, astray and into sin. But here is a high priest that doesn't do any of that. As a matter of fact, he fulfills his role. And what his role is as high priest is to act on behalf of the people to be the mediator that brings peace between God and man. Look at verse 42. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Jesus is basically saying, as I'm coming in, in this triumphal entry, I'm coming in as a servant as a priest who's standing in the gap between you, O sinner, and God. And I am going to enter into this work, which I will go and die on a cross for you, that I might shed my blood, that I might die for you, the sinner, so that the wrath of God is appeased, that you receive mercy. Jesus is the mediator of a whole, between a holy God and a sinful people. We are about to witness in this story Jesus riding on a colt, being, being lauded as king, and the one who is sent by the king in his role as a priest, going and mediating for his people. We also read in Hebrews about this role of Jesus and this being of a high priest. And it's not just that Jesus is the mediator. Jesus is one who sympathizes with his people. In Hebrews 4.14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Brothers and sisters, when we see Jesus as our high priest, we know that we can then go to him in our time of trouble, in our time of need, and and with our prayers, with our supplications. Some of us are hurting today. Some of us are in need today. Some of us honestly don't know what to do. Some of us may be living in fear. But at the end of the day, if our faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, we know that He stands in the gap, that He is our high priest, that we can go to Him, that He isn't unable to sympathize. And therefore, we can have this confidence as we draw near to the throne of grace. Brothers and sisters, draw near to the throne of grace. Put your eyes on Jesus Christ this morning. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever struggles you have, look to Jesus Christ, not to other things. Not to symbols, not to palms, not to tombs, not to donkeys. Look none other than to Jesus Christ. Now, the last thing I would bring your attention to is the fact that Jesus fulfills his role. 
fulfills his role as king, prophet, priest, and now king. And boy, is this ever a passage that is wrought with the kingship of Jesus Christ. That's fairly evident to most of us who have heard this story, even as we grew up in the church as young children. We knew, holy, 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 Hosanna, Hosanna, King of King, Lord of Lords. That's what's being praised. Blessed is the King, verse 38, who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Here's a crowd of people, his disciples, that are praising him. Why? Because he is their king and they know it. And here's the evidence. The evidence is in the fact that what he said was going to happen actually happened because Jesus, in some way, is already sovereign over his creation. Jesus is already not only saying what's going to happen, but he is making all the things happen so that it comes to fruition. The cult and how it was tied and where it was and what was going to be said, all of those things, again, Jesus didn't just predict as if he had some crystal ball. No, no, no. He said those things because he knew what was going to happen. He had ordained all of those things. He had made them happen. He had them laid out the, the, the way that they were supposed to be. And the crowd responded to that by lifting him up and bringing him in in this triumphal entry. But here's another evident piece that I want you to look at. Look at verse 40. This is an amazing piece for me. What a glorious verse. And see, in verse 39, And some of the Pharisees then in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, they're saying, Listen, this, you're not the king, and let's go ahead and tell them that you're not the king. And they are wrong for giving glory to you. And so Jesus responds, no, listen, I am the king. And here's, this, here's what he says in verse 40. I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Brothers and sisters, there's not a person in this world that can make an inanimate object animate. I don't care what you believe about AI. I don't care what's going on in technology. You can try and prove me wrong. There's not a single one on this earth that can make an inanimate object animate. There's not a single person that can take something unliving and make it living. Yet Jesus says, I am the king who can make rocks cry out and glorify God. See, the end result here of all the work of Christ is to glorify God the Father. That in His role as prophet, priest, and king, that if the people do not respond appropriately, if the people do not bow down and worship a holy God, and the people do not look at Jesus Christ as the king, well, guess what? The rest of creation will. And Jesus has control over all things that these inanimate objects know who the Creator is, who is to be worshipped. Brothers and sisters, do we know who's to be worshipped today? Are we worshipping palms? Are we worshipping things? Are we worshipping people? Are we worshipping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? The King. He's the King. You see, seeing Jesus in His role as prophet, priest, and king gives us hope in this trying time. In a time in which uh, things around us are fading away, our norms, 
our societies, our economies, governments, um, people, communities, businesses, towns, all of these things are fading away. As people around us are dying, our family, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, people we don't even know by the thousands are dying around us in this pandemic. Our lives are changing, aren't they? Our schools have stopped. Our work has stopped. Some of our income has stopped. Our freedom, our liberties, some of those things are no longer available to us. We're faced really to realize that all things are passing away as we await the return of Jesus Christ. We're beginning to realize that we are not in control of all things, aren't we? Some of us think that we are the king. Some of us think that we are the central figure in this story. But the reality is, no, Jesus Christ is the central figure in all of creation. Our response during this time is to look none other than to Jesus Christ in both and all of his offices as prophet, priest, and king, and then to rest in him. To look at Jesus Christ and say, yes, he is the prophet. Yes, he is the priest. Yes, he is the king. We can believe what Jesus says is true, can't we? Because he's the prophet that all other prophets led up to. You see, what Jesus has promised and is promising to us, he will do. We can trust and have faith in that. We can also trust in the fact that he is our high priest, that he is our mediator, that when we are in need, that we can go and rest in him for our salvation. We know that he will hear our prayers, that he sympathizes with our needs. There may be people out here who think that nobody understands. Let me tell you, Jesus understands. Jesus understands. You can also, because of his role as king, trust in his work in this world. We may not know what God is doing right now in our life. We may never know. But I tell you what, Jesus does. And at the end of the day, the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to bring glory to the Father, to bring glory to God. God will receive glory in all things, even the things that are taking place in our life today. I don't know what's going on in your life. You probably don't know what's going on in your life. But at the end of the day, because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has said, God will be glorified even through our pain and suffering, even through our misery. What should our response be? Our response should simply be to trust in Jesus. Jesus the prophet, Jesus the priest, and Jesus the king. I watched... Another movie with my daughter. You can tell, you can tell I'm at home often. Um, we watched the Chronicles of Narnia, the Prince Caspian movie, and you know what struck me about this movie is that, uh, and, and again, I'm not up on the book, so I'm not sure if it's true to the book or not. But in the movie, anyway, 
uh, Peter, who is the oldest of the kings and queens who come back to Narnia, he's the oldest child, protagonist to the story. When they come back, he thinks so highly of himself that when he finds out that the Telmarines are now uh, trying to destroy the Narnians, that he wants to protect the Narnians and he wants to do so on his own. I remember throughout the movie, even at different various times, multiple times, he is asked by his siblings and by others, shouldn't you wait for Aslan? And if you remember the story at all, you remember Aslan is the, the lion. He is the king of Narnia, the true king. Uh, Peter and, and the rest of them are just kind of kings and queens. But Aslan is the true king of Narnia. Peter, throughout this movie, attempts to do things himself. And what happens? He gets many of his fellow Narnians killed. People die. Creatures die. Narnians die because Peter is so arrogant and prideful that he tries to do everything himself. Brothers and sisters, let us be a people who not try to do things ourselves, but who look to Jesus Christ, the true Savior, as we seek to persevere during these trying times. You know, there's a great passage as I close. Matthew 28 19 through 20. Most of us are very familiar with this passage, the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Did you ever catch the very end of that? The last sentence in that passage, it says this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Only Jesus, a prophet, priest, and king, can be trusted in that promise. Do you trust in him today? Will you trust in him tomorrow? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your word, for your truth, for your glory, for your power, your majesty. We ask, O Lord, that you would be with us now, a people in need, a people lost in need of a king, in need of a high priest, and most in need of your word from the prophet. Teach us, O Lord, to rely completely on you in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, I pray that you would receive the benediction and that God's mercy and grace would be upon you. The benediction. Now the Savior who died, who lives, and who reigns, grant you joy and labor, peace and troubles, hope and despair, and faithfulness and temptation, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that you will be with us again next week. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen and amen.